Quick, Fitz Good Morning, Jay Binkley with Kramer Sansone for the rest of the week. All right, I've already given you my defensive guy for underrated, Nick Bolton. And you're with me on that, obviously, because you like Nick Bolton. Love Nick Bolton. What do you think of George Karloftis and what he's doing lately? Like, is he now a trusted, like, made man in the NFL? It's promising. I, I, I firmly believe that. It's promising for the guy. Four and a half sacks. He's got uh, four sacks in the last five games. He's got four and a half on the season. And here's the thing. He's third in the NFL amongst rookies in sacks. Aiden Hutchinson has seven, which isn't blowing the doors off anybody. James Houston, Detroit, has um, five sacks. And Karloftis with four and a half. So if you had George Karloftis being the third best rookie in sacks this season at this point, it's pretty good. But getting sacks for rookies is difficult. Micah Parsons led the way last year with 13, which is insane. Second place was Jalen Phillips with eight and a half. You have to go back to 2020. Chase Young led the NFL in sacks as a rookie. I'm talking about rookie sack guys, seven and a half. That was the 2020 mark. In 2019, Josh Allen of Jacksonville led the way, 10 and a half. Max Crosby had 10. And Max Crosby's having a great year. I've often said if Karloftis can be Max Crosby, because I asked this college coach when we came on the draft show, if he could have, because Max Crosby's crazy good right now. It's wild. Like Max Crosby's playing unbelievable. You know, Eastern Eastern Michigan guy. Can George Karloftis be as good as Max Crosby? I mean, he's got the same motor, I think. Um, I'm not going to say he can be as good because Max Crosby's freaking unreal at this point. But is the motor the same? Because that, that's who he reminds me of most in the NFL when he's drafted is Max Crosby. Well, it took a little bit for Max to figure out his his moves in order to get to the quarterback, and I feel like right now George Karloftis is figuring that out midseason right now. I think he is being able to get to the quarterback, granted the four sacks he has, but we're going to see a four lot. Four and a half. Four and a half, sorry oh, about shit. that. I got to no, have yeah. the half on there. My bad, my bad. He has a half. But we're going to see him go up against a terrible, and I mean terrible offensive line for the Broncos where we see Russell Wilson like to move out and get sacked. I would not be shocked if we see George Karloftis or Mike Dana pop off for at least um, uh, two sacks. To, um, well, you said um, that right. Denver's giving up the most sacks it's so bad. in the NFL. 57 sacks, ranking number one in the NFL and giving up sacks. Oh, no. We're, George Karloftis is going to eat this weekend. Over, under, at least. Would you take the over on one? If I said one, would you take the over? Do one and a half. I'll take the over. Because he usually doesn't get more than one, but again, this... He's going to get He's getting. He's getting two. The Broncos absolutely suck. I think he's getting two this weekend. I just think when you look at rookie sackers and stuff and what Karloft has given you, he's right there. I want him to see him like Max Crosby. Like, you want that kind of impact, but to ask anybody to be Max Crosby is a tough thing to do, but I like his motor. I like the fact that when he went into this pro day, it was like freezing cold. He didn't wear a shirt. He's the tough guy. He's a throwback. That's George Karloftis. I mean, he saw those tough guys for the Seahawks, and they didn't even win this past weekend when it was, uh, what, oh, man. 10 degrees out? Posing. I mean, what was, the, what was the point in that? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I felt like my nipples were chafing just watching that. You know, somebody asked me that. I think it was, was it mom or somebody else asked me, why are the Seahawks, because not many of the Seahawks wore sleeves. Like, all the Chiefs wore sleeves a lot. You know, some did. Like, some didn't wear the sleeves. Why they do that? I was like, it's just an NFL thing. It's a macho thing to do. So maybe Seattle, Seattle thought going in the loudest stadium in the NFL, since theirs used to be and it was taken back over by the Chiefs, that they're not affected by the cold. But when they're sitting there with their shirts off, posing before the game, what would that accomplish? What did that accomplish? I mean, they lost, so nothing. 
they would have won, I got it. Like, okay, all right, sweet. You you come out here shirtless and you're uh, you're flexing, you know, you're all chiseled and stuff. But no, like, you would think that your body works better when it's warm, not when it's cold. You're, 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 everything slows down. Have you ever tried to text? But it's different when, your when you're out there, man. But it's different when you're out there playing. You get the adrenaline going and everything. Yeah, but you're also out on the field for what five, six, seven minutes at a time, and they get to go back and they put the big oversized coat on. It's not like they're standing on the sideline uh, without a coat on. They all had coats on when they went to the sideline. Yeah. Just saying. Well, this is what you do. You, Just saying. You pose, you do all this, and you go put the coat on somebody. They're, they're getting the Instagram likes is what they're doing. All right, the offensive undersung guy to me, and he just continues to just be good for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he gets to the end. It's Jerick McKinnon. When you talk about the Chiefs, and you talk about the offense, you talk about Holmes, you talk about Kelsey, you talk about Cole Hardman being out, when's he going to play again, you talk about the addition of Juju, when do you get to Jerick McKinnon? Because I'll say this. Outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, McKinnon is the other offensive MVP. He's number three in this offense in the hierarchy. It's Mahomes, Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon. The most valuable addition the Chiefs made this offseason. Because they had to bring him back. 31 other NFL teams could have signed Jarek McKinnon. But he came back here, okay, it's a safety net plan. That's what most people saw. Oh, they went out and got Ronald Jones. And I was like, eh, can't block. McKinnon can't. And here's the thing about it. When you think about some of the, some of the stats that'll never show up, never show up, is his blocks. They may have given Mahomes that one or two seconds to get you know to hit Kelsey in the end zone. Like those things never st- show up in the stats. Those are the you have to watch the game. That is watch the game eye test, which a lot of people don't do. They read the box scores and whatever, watch the highlights like NFL Network, and they'll go on and spew things. Jarek McKinnon is extremely valuable. He was brought in for the league minimum, Kramer. He one year, $1.2 million. Base salary of just a little over a million thirty-five. Signing bonus of one fifty-two. Roster bonus one hundred and fifty-two thousand. For that production, you're getting that play. Again, this way you got to be smart in the NFL. This guy way you got to be smart in the front office because you need to find and bring back the Jerick McKinnons if you think they're a big part of your offense. I think Mahomes completely, completely trust him out the backfield. I mean, he's a guy. And you think about all the touchdowns he's getting. You look at receiving, he's got five touchdowns in the last four games. Five touchdowns in the last four games receiving, plus he's got another rushing touchdown out of that. So he's been in this end zone six times in the last, five, or last four games because he had that rushing touchdown against Houston. And again, it's not about the rushing yards with Jerry McKinnon. It's about doing everything. Catching the football, running the football. Doesn't he just look different when he has the ball in his hands? Like, Jerry McKinnon looks not like he was drafted in 2014. You feel comfortable when he has the football in his hands because you know he's heading towards the end zone, or at least you know he's lobbying to get that touchdown. Like, he's he's a guy that is explosive for this offense. He kind of reminds me of what Damian Williams was uh, a few years ago for the Chiefs. Like, he's the guy that was uh, the person that wasn't the, the big dude that's back there. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a big flashy name. Here I am. No, Jerry McKinnon is a guy that's a – making a name for himself. I mean, granted, we saw what he did with the 49ers. Wasn't he like a a Minnesota Viking for a cup of coffee, I feel like, or something like that? But I I just feel like Jarek McKinnon right now has just flourished. And he's in the right system with Andy Reid. But but he's he's like the perfect fit. And this is what they tried to do when they went out and drafted Clyde. 
They tried to get that running back that could catch the football out of the backfield because he certainly did that at LSU with Joe Burrow as quarterback. That was an unreal offense. Think about that offense, Kramer, at LSU. Burrow was the quarterback. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were the receivers. Jefferson was the number two receiver as Jamar Chase was number one and Clyde was in the backfield. And a great offensive line. Look, 14 players went drafted from that team. Someone on the text line asked me who the rookie of the year is for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Trey McDuffie is really making his way and having a good season, but I'm going Carl Loftus. I'm going Carl Loftus for the rookie of the year. But is Jarek McKinnon, do you agree with me? Is it Mahomes, Kelsey, and then McKinnon when it comes to Chiefs offensive weapons? Yeah, but slightly. I think Juju is a, is like him and Jarek McKinnon right now are like neck and neck almost. McKinnon clearly has the edge above it. But I'm actually kind of glad when the Chiefs moved. But, well, I mean, not kind of glad because I did not want no one to get hurt throughout the season. CEH got put on the IR. But I like the fact instead of going for a three running back set that we saw for the first 10 weeks of the season to only just doing two, I think that actually helped improve this offense a lot better. Knowing that you have Pachetko, knowing that you have McKinnon with your one-two punch of alternating drives. But no, I do I do agree. He's, he's It would be... Mahomes, Kelsey, and McKinnon for the most valuable guys um, on offense currently. Two games ago against Houston, Juju was good, 10 for 88. But again, it's 10 catches, 88 yards. You're not getting over the 100-yard mark there. This past week, he had three for 27. He's been in the end zone three times this year. Three times. McKinnon's got six touchdowns in the last four games. He's Mr. December. But if you were to miss one of these guys that were additions, and again, I'm counting McKinnon as an addition that came back because he had the re-signing for the league minimum. He's the best bargain on this Chiefs football team. Oh, right? hands down. Hands, hands down. down. But who would you rather not have? If you had a game to play, an important game, Juju of the newcomers. Juju, MVS, Dunlop, Reed, Justin Reed, or Ronald McKinnon. Or Jerry McKinnon, excuse me. Jerry McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, that's no, it'd, be, it'd be McKinnon. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Because you, you, you would hope it would have been uh, saying, oh, yeah, Justin Reed's the guy. Yeah, Justin Reed, the, the guy, the additions they would brought in for this upcoming season are, or bringing back is because Jarek McKinnon got brought back. You would, you would hope it was Justin Reed, but it really hasn't been. He hasn't lived up to what he's, uh, what he's wanted to bring to the table. Jarek McKinnon is a spitfire, playmaking, you name it, running back right now for the Chiefs. And he's, he compliments Patrick Mahomes well. And, and, and Pat's if he needs a check down, he's there. He's there for it. 913-586-7610. Am I off base on this? Because when I bring up Jerry McKinnon, it's kind of like, eh. Because I, I do think, you know, we, now that McCole Hardman's coming back, they could have they could have split him out a little bit in the slot. McKinnon, I know he's a running back, but he could because he can do both. But you missed that blocking ability for him. And I said this last week. Andy Reid wants three things in a running back. Can you block one? And I get it. Why is Ronald Jones here? Because he didn't block very well. That's true. Was he playing? No. Can you block? Can you catch? And then can you run? Those are the three most valuable assets in Andy Reid offense. And I just I just feel like every I honestly for me just looking at Chiefs Twitter, everybody is like, oh Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco. Everybody wants Pacheco to be the guy. Pacheco. I'm like, do you not see what Jarek McKinnon's it's, doing? It's McKinnon. Yeah. Do you not see what he's doing? He's a silent assassin. That just gets in the end zone, blocks from Holmes, and does his job. Jerry McKinnon was the best addition to the Kansas City Chiefs. This offseason, hands down, he's the best bargain on the Kansas City Chiefs. But as far as most underrated Chiefs, Jerick McKinnon, Nick Bolden. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Offensive side and defensive side. Those are the, the two poster childs for that right now. I mean, am I off base on this? I mean, I'd like to hear a better example. You know, if you 
go and see Juju or Dunlap or, or Reed? What's why? 913-586-7610 is the phone number. We get back to this as far as heralded Kansas City Chiefs and who is that rookie of the year. We'll talk about that next. This is Festo in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967, with friend of the show, Brett Veach. You're listening to Festo in the Morning. I mean, I'm not, but you are. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Festo in the Morning. Jay Binkley with Kramer Sansone, Ron Copper, Pride.com joins us at 8 a.m. From the 816. I know Jacobs is publicly pissed off, and the Cardinals are going to probably blow it up talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Jacobs, should they bring him in? No, they should not bring in Josh Jacobs. He's incredible talent, but you don't pay running backs the money he's going to be getting. Crane, you followed this guy for a long time. I love Josh Jacobs. Would you do it or not? I wouldn't. I mean, I don't see him as a, a Chiefs option to, to have, but... I mean, be anywhere. Why not the Chiefs? I don't know if the Chiefs would want to pay They're not going Josh to. Jacobs. They're not going to. Uh, he ha- they I, don't need to. He's going to get paid, and he he deserves all the money in the world because he is just he's a very hard running running back, and he has the best cutting moves as a running back. But he's complaining. Is that a good thing? Is that a good locker room thing? He's complaining. Everybody's complaining over the Raiders' locker room. another guy we had to complain. He's a Miami now. That, that's true. Hey, Josh Jacobs seems like a Miami Miami guy. He does. Oh gosh! Yes. He seems like a Miami guy. He, I, I would not be shocked. Would not be that shocked. That situation's going to gonna implode at some point. Imagine having those types of heads in there. Uh, Josh Jacobs, who's complaining. You got Tyree Kill, who's, I mean, lying. So I mean, yeah, you, you got a complainer and a liar. What else do you need to get over there? I get. It. He's an incredible talent, though. I cannot believe the Raiders didn't give him that option. Well, he's not thinking. Was that Mayock that decided not to do that? No, is he still the GM? Then? No, that was uh, oh, that? Uh, that was oh, Ziggler. That was Ziggler okay. McDaniel's. Uh, okay. That's and it was wild too because he was the, the starting running back for the Hall of Fame game. And usually, the players who start in the Hall of Fame game usually no, you don't play uh, anybody. usually usually, uh, usually don't make the team. From the nine one three, I like Jarek, but Pacheco is a beast. Yeah, hundred percent. Pacheco's a beast. He's averaging forty point eight yards per carry. The Chiefs need the Pacheco type guy. But here's here's what they're kind of missing. And this is no slide on Pacheco because I think he can be that guy. They're missing that third and one guy, man. They're missing that fourth and one guy. I mean, the Chiefs try some trickery at times, and they'll have, you know, Noah Gray sneak it in or Travis Kelsey's line up the quarterback and get it in, or now you're going to see some belldozer going forward. But those third and short conversions for the Chiefs, and I get it, they're number one third down conversion rate in the NFL. But these third and shorts are what kill them. When teams are expecting you to run, like, you kind of need the Earl Campbell their ass over. You need that, like Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen just found that seam. He found that crease. He was able just to contort his body and get the first down. Like, that's the one thing, because the Chiefs aren't going to run the quarterback sneak. Since Mahomes got hurt in Denver that time, they're not going to do it. But that's the one thing. Pacheco is an absolute beast, though. But Jerick McKinnon, would you rather go into a game without McKinnon or Pacheco? Because I like Pacheco. There's no slide against Pacheco. But if you had your choice to go with one guy... Over another guy for a game, you going Pacheco or McKinnon? The short answer is McKinnon. Because he blocks better. Exactly. I want Mahomes protected. Yeah, and, and, the, and the you know the, the ball security issues and stuff like that with Pacheco, but give me a guy that's going to protect Mahomes. Again, six touchdowns in the last four games receiving. 
Well, one of those was rushing, but five of them are uh, receiving. He's Mr. December. There we go. So that's the question. But a lot of that, uh, Jerry McKecko, Jer- uh, Jerick McKinnon, uh, another luxurious Sneed, the heart and soul of this defense. Yeah, Sneed's everywhere, man. Sneed's good. But I think Nick Bolton's better, man. I know different positions, but because Nick Bolton, and Sneed's a good tackle. He can do a lot of things with Sneed. He can blitz the quarterback, do a lot of things with him. It's kind of like Honey Badger Light, to be honest, a younger version of the Honey Badger. Someone I think hits harder than the Honey Badger. But I would rather have Nick Bolton. Heck, if it's not Nick Bolton for me, then I, I think as of late, either Dan or Willie Gay. I think they have the, the past two games have been really good. But I think it kind of shows what an what NFL running backs really are. That's true. Because Pacheco is a seventh-round pick. And you have McKinnon that any team in the NFL could have had. And you know the NFL is starving for talent. Maybe he doesn't do well in another system. You ever think about that? Maybe he doesn't do well. You always have to wonder what team you're on, the situation you're in, the head coach calling the plays. Because right now, if he was in with the Chicago Bears, he probably wouldn't be doing anything. He'd probably be, quote, hurt. Well, it's weird to think, too, that he was in the system of Kyle Shanahan's system with all the running backs, got all the glorified stuff, and Sam Fran... He's always been good, though. I mean, he was decent there, but he wasn't how he was right now in Kansas City. He's definitely elevated his game since becoming a Kansas City Chief, whether if it was from last year or maybe it was a reality check of him not actually signing that big deal, have to come back on the the league minimum to play for the Chiefs, and now he's just flourishing. Like, I I really think that he had to second-guess himself there, and that's what we're seeing with production value. He's actually, I'm guessing you would say, I mean, he wouldn't say he's bet on himself, but he... Is going to make a lucrative amount of money after the end of the season. He will. I don't, and that's a thing, too. Do the Chiefs pay him? But I am not in the category of getting Josh Jacobs. And then we get no, a little no, bit no, of that no, no, yeah, no. Don't, don't forget, Brett Beach said this in the offseason about where you can get running backs. Think about what he said. Think about what he says. Like other GMs just have lip service when they talk. Like a lot of things he says come true. Remember a couple years ago, he's talking about the hot zone? We got Bolton because he wanted more second and third round picks. And that was a big emphasis in that Orlando Brown trade. Send me back something in the second round, which turned out to be Nick Bolton because Brett Veach was 100% right. Don't forget he said this before the season, right before the draft. The running back class this year, it's, it's really crazy because when you factor in that COVID year last year mm-hmm. um, and some of the guys that stayed in school, it's there is – I've never seen such a large group of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round running backs. And it's like – the names go from the top of the ceiling down to the bottom. So there'll certainly be a – I told the guys, my prediction is there'll be a 1,000-yard rusher that is an undrafted free agent or seventh-round pick just by the sheer volume of numbers. Was he not 100% right there? Just don't do it, man. I was for Tyler Algier in the mid to late rounds. I'll be honest with you. He's okay with the Falcons. What do you say? Uh, he's more than okay. I think he's uh, I think he's a better running back than Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. Well, Cordell is everything, though. I love that dude. That dude is awesome. You know where he went to Juco, right? Yes. Hutch. Go Hutch King. So was Alvin Kamara. He was at Hutch, too. Oh, he was. Yeah. I, would, that one would, I didn't you know. You would believe all the talent in the Kansas Juco system. It's, it's insane. Heck, I almost went to a Juco at Highland Community College. Really? No, that's not, wait, is that Juco? No, it's Community College. Is that Juco? Yeah. Those, 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 well, those community College is Juco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my brain isn't firing all cylinders right now. I just thought that was interesting because he was 100% right. You can find running backs. You don't pay him. That's why Clyde would never stand a chance, I don't think, to get a second contract with the Chiefs. He's definitely not going to now, but what's the point in it? 
unless you have a running back like LaDainian and Tomlinson, I understand that's the guy that you want to have to give the extra contract to, but I haven't seen a guy like that in some time. It's just the injuries, too. Like, think about how good Kirsten McCaffrey's been. But he's also very injury-prone as well. That hasn't really happened with San Francisco, but aren't you kind of on borrowed time? But their scheme is so good, I think you could insert somebody else. But that's, I mean, that's a team I think could get by with, you know, six-round, seventh-round running back is the 49ers because of the way they block. But McCaffrey makes a lot of sense for him now, but aren't they kind of on borrowed time with him? Like you're expecting at any moment to be hurt and be out of the game? It's like missed two or three games? He's almost got 1,000 yards this year. But Kansas City Chiefs, seventh-round running back Isaiah Pacheco. Is that the rookie of the year? Yeah, he could be rookie of the year. I think it's between him and Karloftis, to be honest with you. I think Trey McDuffie's right there. Trey McDuffie's been very good, but I think Karloftis and Pacheco will be in the running for the what's that about, the Mackley Hill uh, Rookie of the Year for the Chiefs. Yeah, for that though, the, it's going to side with the offense. We already know that, so I I I would love to see a George Karloftis, but then again, who knows? George Karloftis might break off for a five sack game on the Sunday. I don't know, man. That I, offensive line is so bad for the Broncos, Bink. It is so bad. No, again, they've given up more sacks than anybody in the NFL. This is pass rush game for the Chiefs. And you'll say, whoo. This is the, the game where Frank Clark explodes for some reason. Let me ask you this. Who's got more sacks, the Chiefs or the 49ers, and that vaunted number one defense, number one team in the power ring? Who's got more sacks, Chiefs or 49ers? Chiefs. Yes. Chiefs have more sacks than the San Francisco 49ers. The Chiefs actually have 14 more sacks than they did last year. They're fourth in the NFL. They could not get to the quarterback at all last year. They could not. And they struggled against Burrow, but again, I think that's schematic because the big physical wide receivers do hurt them. That's true, and also they had the big guy this season, uh, Lilio Collins, who's not, who's actually done for the season. He's now. out. So, I mean, heck, if the Chiefs actually uh, get the Bengals in the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked, Bink. Would not be shocked that somehow the Chiefs uh, get the Burrow a lot and the, and the Chiefs beat the Bengals. Would not be shocked at all. That's one of those weeks if the Chiefs meet the Bengals in the postseason. Seriously, that's where you're in a bad mood the whole week. You'd have player. to be. You get your game face on all week. You want to beat that team because they got the ultimate scoreboard and everybody loves talking about it. How the Bengals have beaten you three straight times. They call you the kryptonite, even though you haven't blown them out. Again, keep in mind these Bengals games are like overtime games. They have not blown the Kansas City Chiefs out. Regardless, somebody's getting paid in the NFL. We'll cover that when we get back. Fesco in the morning, locked in, focused, and ready to go starting at 6. I get the bosses wrong all the time, too. I remember which one's on which team. Yeah. Right. Chubbs are the same way. Chubbs are the same way. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this now? I totally forgot. I lost you on yeah, Chubb, you, you nine-year-old. <laughs> Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, Jim Inkley, Kramer, Sansone. We're talking Chiefs, Ron Cobb over here at Pride. Get his opinion on some of these things we've tossed around today with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, get to Denver in a second. They're still melting down, Kramer. They're still in disarray. For the Kansas City Chiefs' next opponent, they are still in disarray of what's going on this year. But Frank Reich, you see this little nugget yesterday for ProFootballTalk.com? It's hilarious, actually. Jim Irsay has really been transparent for an owner, right? Like Jim Irsay, I mean, he's 
he's out of the box a little bit. He's the you know, he hires Jeff Saturday, basically just to finish the season and be a snitch from the locker room, like tell him everything that's why he got Saturday. Jim Ursay talks about the contract extension with Jim or Frank Reich. Keep in mind, this is where teams, it's one thing to be lucky or good at what you're doing in the offseason. And I look at the Denver Broncos as, quote, lucky when they got Peyton Manning to kind of, you know, keep that guy, you know, better, as good as Elway was, you know, lead the Denver Broncos back to the Super Bowl. But Frank Reich did an interview with the, or excuse me, Jim Mersey did an interview with ESPN. He said he gave Frank an extension sooner than he wanted to. Well, why'd you do it then? These giving coaches, you know, they still owe him $36 million. Now, he'll probably get in their coaching job before that. But Frank Reich has still owed a lot of money from the Colts. That's just kind of moves that set you back. Just imagine this, the fact that you're not working at all, but yet you're still getting paid $36 million at some point throughout the rest of it. That's the thing, too. I mean, you can hire a coach for any amount of money because it doesn't even um, uh, count towards the, the cap at all. But here's the thing. Would you rather get an expensive free agent or coach? Because I do think the right coach makes the biggest difference in the NFL over free agents because they come and go, get hurt, don't play. But a coach shows up every day, sets the game plan for what you're doing in training camp, sets the tempo and tune for your team during the season. I would rather have a great coach than a great free agent. I mean, that's what's showing right now. Everyone's talking about Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton, because they know what Sean Payton can bring to any type of team, especially now that he's building, I guess, his super coaching staff, I guess. So, I mean, I, I I would pay more money for a coach, but paying all that money to Frank Reich and then you fire him, what was that, week four, week five, week six of the season? After, like, what, three weeks or four weeks? And he did weeks? last year. Like, do you not know he's the right guy or not? I mean, exactly. did you not see things uh, clearly? I think that was a personality rub-off as well. They should have been better this year. There's no question. But, again, they don't have a quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. What, the, the best quarterback they've had – has been Andrew Luck within the past 10 years. Help Phillip Rivers was serviceable. Well, the past 10 years. And then he leaves and goes and coaches high school football down in Alabama. At least they got it. They, they got to a postseason with him. They got to the playoffs. Andrew Luck was the biggest thing that, that killed that team. Yes. Yes. He was so good. It derailed so young, it so quick. Was a playoff. He had that big comeback against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Had just won an NFL comeback player of the year. Went to the postseason, played the Chiefs. Walks out on the third game of the season. They have a trouble making up their mind, I think. Because giving Frank Reich the extension and Andrew Luck just walking away, it means that, like, don't think about their decisions very often, do they? No, and it's just it all comes down to, I guess, the coach-quarterback combination. And right now, Jeff Saturday, is uh, is he, is he actually going to start Matt Ryan this week? Is he not going to start Matt Ryan this week? It's like what, what, I, we don't even know who the quarterback is for the Colts this upcoming weekend. So you, you make the argument, okay, is it the coach or the quarterback? And if you want to use the Patriots, for example, all right, Tom Brady was very good, won six titles with Bill Belichick. He goes away from him, wins one. Belichick had none since. So when you think of the combination, I don't know how you like chocolate or peanut butter creamer, but when they're mixed together in Reese's, it's an unbelievable product. Oh, fantastic. When you put them both together, they're better together or better both separate. I like them either or, but together like is amazing. Together. But the quarterback-coach combination is the most important combo in all sports. The quarterback and the head coach. If you have them both, you got a machine, you have consistency. It's like with the Chiefs 
and Mahomes and Andy Reid. But again, I would rather have a coach, the right coach, than a free agent. You know another guy that's get, getting some run for the Colts that they really want? Jim Harbaugh's name keeps getting flowed out there. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. I'm not sure if I like that or not. But he's the guy that took Stanford, completely turned him around. Completely did it. And then he goes to Michigan, has him in the playoffs the last two years. And he finally also, beat Ohio State. He was in the Super Bowl as well and lost to his brother. But, I mean, it makes sense why Jim Harbaugh is kind of linked to the Colts. I mean, what, um, uh, Jim Ursay He played there. Jim Ursay was one of the main reasons why he wanted Jim Harbaugh there because he played there. I think that would be the smartest decision, and he could work with quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I mean, he is, a, he is a quarterback. He's a quarterback at heart. He's a quarterback at natural. So it's like it, it, it makes sense. But I do admit, I do admit from being a Michigan Wolverines fan, it has been a terrible time trying to figure out the right quarterback for Michigan. So I, I'm very curious if he does go to the NFL, how good his mentality is with a, a quarterback um, for an NFL caliber team. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Because I couldn't even name, like seriously, the past five, six, seven years he's been there, I couldn't name you one quarterback that I think, oh yeah, no, that's the most elite level quarterback that they've had there. The bottom line is you need somebody to turn things around. You need a winner. Broncos in the same situation. And I know they have these visions of grandeur of Sean Payton. But again, what capital are you going to use? They do have a first-round pick that they got from the 49ers coming back, but their good pick is going to the, uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. But this is what Jim Harbaugh did. They were coming off a 1-11 season at Stanford. He won four times that his first year. He ends up his last year at Stanford at 12-1, ranked well fourth in the country. That's the kind of experience, the kind of guy – you need to leave your pro, lead your program. But, yeah, if Denver gets the right coach, but, again, there's two pieces they need. They need the coach, and they need the quarterback. Right now they have none of those pieces of the puzzle. I look at the Chargers in the AFC West. They've got one of them. They have Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley, you got to have both. Don't have it. The Raiders, they don't have either either. They don't have coach or quarterback in Carr and or Josh McDaniels. They have none of them. Kansas City has both. That's why they continue to win the division because they have the quarterback and the coach. And again, I think a coach is better than any free agent you can bring in. You can do what you want, but again, you're dealing with injuries, how long they're going to play. But a coach brings you consistency, getting the right guy in the right situation, in the right place. So I'm just at the point now where this is this is the number one thing. When you buy a team and you're restructuring, you're tearing it down. Like, look, look at the Broncos. If you had the right head coach, you might have been able to be serviceable with the lesser quarterback than Russell Wilson and not had to make that big trade for him. Unless you thought that Hackett was going to turn around Russell Wilson because he was, quote, good with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back -back MVPs. He's won four. I think it was more Aaron Rodgers than Nathaniel Hackett. And, the, and Matt LaFleur calls the plays. But, yes, let's make Nathaniel Hackett the uh, head coach, the head coach uh, for the Denver Hackett's Broncos. Hackett's the fall guy. Got to have the fall guy. Got to have the fall guy. So, I think that's interesting. You listen to 610 Sports Radio, KCSP, Kansas City, WDAF, HD2 Liberty, and Odyssey Station. But, uh, as I promised, 8 o'clock, we talked to uh, the lead analyst of ViroheadPride.com. His name is Ron Kopp. Get his opinion on some of these things we've been chewing over today because – i like to get Ron's opinion on things. What's up, Ron? Jay, how we doing, man? Appreciate you having me on. Oh, of course. 
I want to talk some uh, Chiefs football with you, Ron. We, we've talked about several different things uh, today. One of them, Big Nick Bolton and his consistency. You know, with the uh, eight straight games, the 10-plus tackles. Is he the most valuable player on this defense? And I couldn't know Chris Jones. You could make an argument. Might be the best defensive tackle in the NFL. But as far as consistency, game in and game out, when you need that stop on second and five, third and four, you need that stop, Nick Bolton makes it. You know, yeah, the, the 17 tackles in the box score definitely tells you how consistent it is. And and this week especially was really a good sign for all the linebackers. Willie Gay had a really good game as well. He racked up, you know, a good box score. He had a tackle for loss, nine total tackles, two passes defended. But, yeah, when you talk about Bolton, you know, I do think he's had some struggles this year in terms of, uh, you know, just, just staying on the attack. I do think when you face some of these high-powered passing attacks, and you have to think about, you know, getting depth behind you and coverage as well, and, you know, on top of, you know, defending the run. You know, on top of that, when you when you have, you know, that kind of threat, plus, you know, I do think the defensive tackles haven't helped them, you know, super, you know, a lot, you know, in the run defense this year at times, you know, getting maybe, you know, pushed back into their laps a little more than they'd like. All that considered, you know, with all that, with all that said, he does make every tackle. He barely misses a tackle. And, you know, I think this week was a good sign that, you know, it, it showed that they were on the attack more, that they maybe have a more attacking mindset than we've seen in recent weeks. Cause I definitely, I, I've, I've been critical of the middle of the field defense, you know, the safeties and linebackers in recent weeks, but it was very much, uh, it was a lot better against Seattle. They were clouding, you know, uh, not letting Geno Smith get anything going um, over the middle. And, and that was really Nick Bolton and Willie Gay starting with them. So shout out them. We speak of the defense. When you think of great defense in the NFL, Broncos are fifth. We know how good their defense could be, but they have 35 sacks 18th in the NFL. The Chiefs are fourth in the NFL with 45 sacks. They even have more than the vaunted San Francisco 49ers. Is that overrated, or should we pay more attention to what Spags is doing, creating kind of a pass rush? I get it, the Bengals game, you didn't have it whatsoever. But are they kind of underrated as far as getting to the quarterback? Yeah, it is funny, right? You know, uh, the statistics, you know, say the Chiefs are one of the, the best defenses at getting to the quarterback. Um, and, you know, Colin Saunders had the issue, you know, with some, with some Twitterers, you know, because of because of maybe the critiques they've had. But the, the main critique of the Chiefs' pass rush really has been the four-man rush. And, and, again, against Seattle, we saw some of its best reps of the season. We saw, you know, straight-up four guys, no, no blitz look, no, you know, no, you know, no simulated pressure. It was just straight-up four guys. Getting to the quarterback, that's how Karloftis got his sack. But it wasn't just Karloftis getting it on his own, right? And that's where the that's where it was really nice to see. Chris Jones collapsed the pocket and, and forced Geno to kind of stay put. If you look on the other side, Frank Clark actually loops into the inside and, and has and gives uh, Geno Smith nowhere to go. And on top of that, for the fourth guy, Mike Dana is is crushing the pocket as well, kind of doing the dirty work on a stunt. Geno has nowhere to go, and and Karloftis just happens to be the one to finish it off, but. The, that that's where the four man rush is really the one the thing to be uh, to kind of critique right the the blitzing the the getting sacks by blitzing that's been great and Spags has been really good at that that's what he does best honestly is mess with opponents pass protections really get them in trouble and create bl- and create sacks off of blitzes he had a you know a few good reps of that you know even if it didn't result in blitzes against Seattle too but it's the four man rush that really puts the chair on top and if they can get that you know more uh, impactful on a consistent basis. You know, the, you mentioned the Bengals game. That was when it looked at its worst, where there was just nothing. You know, Joe Burrow had all the time in the world and was getting the ball out without much, you know, disruption. If they can disrupt more uh, consistently, then, yeah, that, that's when the pass rush really can, can hit its can hit its peak. Denver Broncos have given up more sacks in the NFL this season, number one, with 57 sacks given up. 
Will this be a game where the Chiefs can get, you know, four to five sacks? Will Carl Loftus continue his streak for the last five games getting a sack? Well, hey, yeah. You look at the last Denver game, right? They they swarmed Russell Wilson. It was one of their – I think it was six sacks was probably their season high, if I remember off the top of my head. And it, and it definitely was the defensive line getting getting wins. You know, Carl Loftus had one in that game. Dana had that one in that game. Chris Jones swallowed Russell Wilson up at one point as well. And so, yeah, I, you know, you absolutely expect that, especially, you know – this Denver team, man, I, I really have a hard time seeing them, you know, getting going, getting up. I mean, they not only did they fire their head coach, they fired their offensive line coach and their special teams coach. I feel like those are two pretty key parts of oh, the yeah. game day operation, especially the offensive line. We're talking about getting sacks on Russell Wilson. Um, and, you know, the offensive line's a lot of effort too, right? And so I don't know, man. I, I feel like it could be a long day for the Broncos pass protection, um, especially, you know, with the Chiefs, we're talking about this pass rush gearing up a little bit. I think that Seattle game, they'll build momentum off that. And especially at home, man, I think this, this defense definitely tends to play its best late in the season at home. When you fire your, your off, your offensive line coach, like you said, your special teams, that's not something you do. When you get rid of the head coach, you keep them there for some kind of continuity. That leads me to think they're either extremely loyal to Nathaniel Hackett or they were causing problems in the organization. Cause those are not moves you make at this point in the year. Yeah, the game, it's just, I feel like special teams is such a key, you know, it's, it's something underrated we think about, but in, on the game day, right, it's, it's a really big part of, you know, just kind of keeping everything together, kind of being organized, you know, the, the intricacies of the game. Yeah, I know. It, it's just two really big coaches to be firing. You know, you, you know, you think one of them maybe would step up and be the head coach uh, in this, in this interim, but instead it's a, uh, what the clock specialist, clock management specialist is, is the interim head coach. So yeah, you know, it'll. I'm, I'm hard. I'm gonna have a hard time seeing Denver get up too much for this game. But at the same time, I will say, division rival, Denver does. You know, they know the, they they feel comfortable with the game plan against the Chiefs. So that that may be one reason why you could see them play loose, play free, and just kind of play. You know, without little uh, care for the world, and and that could result in maybe a, a good. Game. One more thing with you, Ron, as far as the sacks are concerned, Karloftis is third in the NFL for rookie sacks, half behind James Houston, who actually was a sixth round pick. Out of uh, Jackson State, he played at Florida and Jackson State. He's number two in the NFL. Who'd ever thought a six-round pick uh, being second for rookies and sacks? And Aiden Hutchinson was seven. But rookies don't get very many sacks because even Micah Parsons last year kind of sticks out as an anomaly of 13. But then it was eight and a half with Jalen Phillips. You go back to 2020, it was Chase Young leading all rookies with seven and a half. And then you go back to 2019, it was Josh Allen with uh, with uh, uh, 10 and a half sacks. And Max Crosby with 10. And my question to you is, does George Karloftis remind you of Max Crosby in any way? Because I talked to his coach, uh, Jeff Brom, back on draft day, and that's like the p- comparison I see. If he could just be Max Crosby, that would be an unbelievable pick. <laughs> yeah, man. Max Crosby is an unbelievable player. Because, so, you know, he, he has taken the step each year from kind of just a, a flashy player to now he makes plays on every single down, run, pass, I mean, whatever you need him to do, Max Crosby is an unbelievable player. So if you get, you know, Karloftis to that point, you know, I could see, I could, I could see where you're coming from. The foundation of, of Crosby's play is just that motor, right? That's, that's where, that's where it all starts is that, that high, that high energy, just like nonstop. You can see it in his play. I mean, you see it with Karloftis too, but Crosby has really become so technical with his rush moves. His hands are extremely powerful. I mean, that guy can just swipe you, swipe you away when he needs to. And so, Karloftis will definitely need to, you know, that, that takes a few years in the weight room, right? Which, you know, hey, that's just natural. Um, but I, I could see the foundation being laid. You know, I, I, I do think 
It is. We we are underrating. I you know I I think I I admit it myself. I underrate how Karloftis's rookie season is going. This guy is leading the NFL in batted down passes and has four and a half sacks. Which you know I I had a uh, someone on Twitter mention to me. If you look at all the Chiefs' great pass rushers, besides Derek Thomas, obviously that guy you know that dude his rookie year was insane. Their rookie years, they all had around that that five six sack mark, right? And and Tom Bahali, Jared Allen, um, they, they mentioned a few others. It, it it just is natural, man, that, you know, the rookie year, you're not going to just come out, you know, sacks are going to be hard to come by. The fact that he's gotten four and a half and it's coming down the stretch, you know, it's coming as he's gotten better and better. They haven't been cheap sacks necessarily. They haven't, he hasn't necessarily run into them. Um, I think he's just been getting better and, and, and getting them. So I, I, I think we're on the right path, man. I, I think he's had a very good rookie season. Probably We're probably underrating how, how good he's had a, a rookie season, honestly. Ron Cobb joining us on here on 610 Sports Radio. Hey, Ron, uh, switch things over to the offensive side. Uh, we were talking about how Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were clearly the studs on offense, but Jerick McKinnon has kind of solidified himself there as a role, as a mainstay almost, and for Chiefs' offensive side. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how Jerick McKinnon's doing and also probably comparison to Pacheco. Like, How's this running back situation going for the Chiefs? Man, I am, I am a huge fan of how this running back group has evolved into this two-man backfield we see right now. And, and it did come at the expense of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but you know that's not the point. It's not about what he can't do. It's about what these guys are doing right now. McKinnon specifically, you know, I, I think the thing we, what, that he is very obviously good at and what they, they like to use him is this pass protection and in the pass game, right, as a, as a pass down, you know, catching the pass out of the backfield, you know, getting the most out of a, 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 dump, a dump off. You know, that's, his, that's the key role he, he kind of established, you know, in the offense, you know, as the season went on. And Pacheco's obviously kind of that early down runner. Well, that's the thing, man. <clears throat> in recent weeks, McKinnon has also shown that, you know, that vision he has as that, that experience, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of overlook how long he's played in the NFL, how many snaps exactly he's run outside zone and these zone looks, how many times he's seen that flow, understands where the cutback lane is going to be compared to a Pacheco. And that's what the Chiefs like to run. So McKinnon, honestly, that veteran, that vision, being a veteran, that honestly is, is almost even more of an asset on those early downs sometimes than Pacheco's hard running. I, I will say, though, Pacheco's vision is getting much better, and, and, and you've seen it on these screen passes, too. You know, he, he sets up his blocks a lot better than he has in, you know, maybe earlier season. But, man, it's just the veteran McKinnon, he's just such an underrated part. You know, he was someone that the Chiefs just kind of signed, you know, later in the offseason, or re-signed, I should say. You know, he was a huge part of the playoff run last year, but no one really, you know, I don't think anyone really truly – gave much thought to him being a featured part of this offense but I'm telling you man we're going to get in the playoffs and he's going to be you know just like last year it might look very similar where he's one of the the key parts of this offense in the pass game and the run game again the run game specifically because of that vision he he just takes advantage of those blocks even if he doesn't have the same explosion as Pacheco he he, he has the vision to maybe take advantage of the blocks at the same rate or even better than than the rookie. Yeah, Pacheco, man, it's a, it's a needed thing for this team. They need that mauler. They need a guy to ice games away. They need that closer to ice games yeah. away at the end of the game. Keep getting first down. The third and short, like that's what they got to get better at. You know, that's that's the one thing because you're not going to do quarterback sneaks. But the the confidence is turn the ball, hand it off, you know, and get that first down when Pacheco is concerned. But as far as Jarek McKinnon, I I have him the uh, most underrated chief on offense. And on, uh, because of what he is, Jerick McKinnon comes in, as you mentioned, he could have signed with 31 other NFL teams. He comes back to the chiefs on league minimum, a little bit over a million dollars, yeah. like 125 in signing bonus, not much money. I mean, as far as bargain chiefs, you know, for production, 
it's McKinnon. I don't think there's even an argument about production for what he's being paid. But I like Juju. Love him, the addition of the Chiefs, MBS, Dunlap, Reed, all these guys. Jerick McKinnon at this point, because of the way he blocks in the backfield, he was the most important yeah. offseason addition they made. Yes, the blocking really is, is is such. I mean, I think everyone knows by now. It's not an underrated thing anymore, which I'm glad, right? I, I do think he, he's he's gotten the the love for it that he needs to get. He's just such a difference maker for the offensive tackles, right? He he gives them help, effective help. You know, he really does set a good chip. But even on these runs, you know, the Kadarius Tony touchdown this week, Jerick McKinnon is, is is base blocking a defensive end or an outside linebacker, I should say, it's Bruce Irvin, and and popping him and and taking him out of the play, right? You know, it's just it's just what he can do. But at the same time, he has been this team's one of the team's best, most efficient receiving weapons this year. Um, he, he, I, oh, man, the stat was that he was, I think, leading the leading the team back at, at this point. Which you know, you, I get it. You know, you get the ball, you know, short, you know, uh, shorter downfield. You know, it makes sense that you get the most yak. But for him to be getting the that most production, you know, is surprising. Maybe at the beginning of the year, but he really has earned it, man. He really does seem to take advantage of of each rep as as much as possible and. Again, I, I really think it's easy to overlook the difference between a veteran running those zone runs and a rookie, that vision, that, that kind of muscle memory, man. It really takes over, and that's a good advantage to have. Man, you mentioned Kadarius Tony, that little move he made. It just gives you so many flashes of what he can be. <laughs> like, he can stay healthy and get the ball. I mean, he's just one little catch there, but still the way he knives through things. And with the addition of McKill Hardman, who's actually, I think, really, really important to this team, they're still the number one offense in the NFL, even without – We'll go hard, man. But man, it just makes them so much better. But man, that combination, because I know they want to work, you know, Kadarius Tony, kind of like the McCole Hardman role. But can he be good? Like when you look at these receivers for the future and you think Kadarius Tony's gonna be coming back here, we don't know about McCole. We don't know about Juju. We know about MBS. We know Sky Moore's coming back. What what do you what do you see in the future for Kadarius Tony in this wide receiver group? Well, that's the thing. It's going to be a, an interesting kind of see how they use Hardman and Tony because in that, that Tony touchdown, it was the Hardman jet sweep role, right? It was, it was what they've been missing. And it is, and that has been a key part of the red zone offense that they haven't had since the injury. Um, you know, five of, uh, five of six of McCall Hardman's touchdowns have come in the red zone this year. And, and he, it's because of those, those – they, they like to challenge linebackers and safety to beat him to the edge. And, and McCall Hardman is so fast that it's, it's hard to do. Tony has some of that speed too, but man, that quickness is really what what what's impressive about him, and, and the vision, the the fact that he had that peripheral to see Trey Smith coming and, and and allowing you know him to kind of make that last block as you mentioned. I mean, that's just insane vision, insane peripheral, and that's what makes him a, a weapon, especially in the red zone. It actually makes him kind of an interesting, you know, maybe they just get him in run looks in the red zone because he's got that vision, that ability to kind of make guys miss. Um, you know, just, just in short spaces. But in terms of the future, I mean, I don't see why why he can't. You know, they, they have three more years of control under him uh, or, you know, with him because, uh, you know, he is a first-round pick. He was a first-round pick. They have that fifth-year option in the back of their pocket. I mean, yeah, why why can't he develop into, you know, at least at the at the minimum what McCall Hardman has been in this in this offense in his career? Because, you know, at the, you know I, I do think it's a natural, you know, thing for McCall Hardman to move on and Tony to kind of, you know, be in that space that he has occupied. But I, I definitely see the talent, you know, the, the catching ability. We've seen him have contested catches this year. We've seen him make, you know, more receiver-like plays than, you know, I hate to say it, Hardman has, has made in his career. Hardman, you know, it, it just a lot of times does not seem like he's put together as a receiver. And I feel like Tony has, has shown those flashes of being a legitimate 
receiver-like player instead of just maybe a more of a gadget. So I, I definitely, you know, I, I think they're in a great position with this. I think it was a great trade. I mean, I, I you know, it, it's, you know, we've already talked about it enough, but I mean, Brett Veach, you know, th- this was just an easy trade to make, and, and it's it's paying off right now in the short term. It seems like it's going to be a weapon this year, but also it's just a, a really easy, uh, you know, long-term kind of thing to have. You know, whether it develops or not, it's kind of a, a, a low-risk uh, option. Well, Ron, I'll leave you with this. We, we talked about this even as well. Who is the best rookie on this team? The rookie of the year, the Mackley Hill winner. Who's in the lead? Man, the rookie of the year. That There are a lot of contributing rookies on this team, um, and, and that's where it, it, it is tough, man. This is a tough question, but, you know, if I have to go with one guy, I definitely think I'm going to have to say Carl Loftus. We talked about Carl Loftus enough. He just edges out Pacheco. But Karloftis has come in and, and basically been the most impactful defensive end uh, in terms of statistics on the team. And that's what you want out of your first-round pick. But he was a late first-round pick. So, you know, it, there, there are late first-round picks in, in recent history that haven't done, you know, you know, jack in their first year, you know, especially at the defensive line position, right? I, I do think, you know, it, it, this has been a very impressive rookie year for him. You know, Pacheco's been the starting running back, but we've, as we mentioned with McKinnon, you know, McKinnon may even be, you know, more impressive at that spot right now, even if Pacheco's been good. So I'll give it to Karloftis, you know, give it to the, the big guy, and, right. and, and I'm excited for his future. Awesome stuff. Ron Kopp, lead analyst over at ArrowheadPride.com. Ron, you guys are everywhere, man. Between Pete yesterday, you, Crame Dog does both. We got you guys everywhere, <laughs> yes, man. Yes, sir. We'll yeah, you. I know. We got Kramer got Kramer on AP too. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't hold the, the Raider fandom against him, but you know, it, it's okay. I appreciate it's, it. It's all good. Really you, appreciate it. Do you like his uh simulations? Because I want him to simulate Cincinnati in Buffalo ten times. Oh yeah. And see I, what I, what it comes out as. That that's not a bad idea, honestly. I, I, I kinda like the idea of that. No, the simulations are great. I, I think the people love them. I, I think the people I think so need too. need them before the game to really have a feel for what's gonna happen, you know. I'll let you know now, Madden Simulations undefeated this year. The Chiefs are. Is it really? Yeah, the Chiefs are undefeated. They've lost They haven't lost. Oh, okay. Undefeated. Okay, so they Yeah, the okay. Chiefs the Chiefs Madden simulation are undefeated. Madden uh, makes sense, right? I, I, yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, when's your simulation come out tomorrow? Uh Friday. Are you going to do that uh, Bengals Bills for me? Yeah, I'll do that. You know, check the Twitter feed on that one. I'm not going to actually make a video out of it. I wish we could do the college football playoff one, but we don't have to wait a while for EA Sports College Football. Ron, oh, my gosh. Ron, yeah. happy new year to you, my friend. Always good talking to you, brother. Yes, sir, Jay. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on. Have a new, have a happy new year. Same to you. There's Ron Cop, ArrowheadPride.com. Right there. We come back. Something Pete Swinney said yesterday about adapting and Andy Reid. Plus, I need to address a few of these texts. They had the J Southland Tow Service text line, 913-586-7610. Festo in the morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967. Please listen to our friend and all-pro defensive tackle, Chris Jones. Wake up with Festo in the morning, starting at 6 on 610 Sports Radio. And always live on the Odyssey app. 